A special word of welcome to our freshmen and transfer students who have moved in this week. Uh, for your first time at St. Thomas More, we're happy to have you as part of our parish family. Welcome back, too, to the members of our Newman Catholic Living Community that live right here at St. Tom's. Uh, we're glad to have you back as well, and to our returning students who have snuck in a little bit early. You just couldn't wait to start, and we're glad to have you. Next weekend will be our official welcome weekend once all the students are back. Um, we look forward to introducing all of the staff and student leaders to you then, but on behalf of myself, Father Jeff, and Deacon Dan, we just are so grateful to have students uh, with us here this weekend. The gospel today poses a little bit of a problem because the last we heard from the sixth chapter of John, everything was fine. And now everyone's upset. The last we heard, people were intrigued and curious about Jesus, who had worked a miracle of the multiplication of the loaves, and who began to speak of something he called the bread of life. He even referred to himself as bread that came down from heaven. And so people are amazed at his miracle, intrigued, and then last weekend, we took a week off from the Gospel of John to celebrate the Assumption, and now we come back and everyone's angry. What happened in the middle? They're so upset that many of them leave the Lord today. Many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. So what could Jesus have done? What could he have said to provoke such a reaction. Well, what we missed last weekend was the heart of Jesus' teaching on the Holy Eucharist. He explained just what he meant when he called himself the bread of life, when he referred to himself as the bread that came down to heaven. And what he told the people was that whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. They began to quarrel amongst themselves, the gospel says, when he said that. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? We must have misunderstood him. He had to have misspoke. But Jesus doubles down in the missing gospel from last week. He says, amen, amen, I say to you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. He says it again in a different way, just to make sure they understood that he meant what he said. He said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. And then for a third time, he says very clearly, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. So he's doubled down, he's tripled down, he's quadrupled down on this idea that he is the living bread and that eating his flesh and drinking his blood brings us into union with him. In fact, he changes the word that he uses for to eat to make it very clear. That last time, believe it or not, John was not written in American English, but in Greek, and there's a couple different words for to eat, 
And that last time he says, unless you munch on my flesh, you do not have life within you. This is why people are upset. They begun to quarrel amongst themselves. They're murmuring in the crowd. And they say, this saying is hard to accept. Who can accept it? And Jesus' response is not to say, listen, I'm speaking metaphorically. Remember when I said that I'm, I'm the sheep gate? Well, I'm not really a gate. Or he could have said, it's a figure of speech. Let me explain. But Jesus' response is, does this shock you? Yeah. And it would shock anyone. We're a little desensitized to it. If you've been Catholic for a long time or maybe all of your life, we're so used to talking about receiving the body of Christ and drinking from the cup of the blood of Christ that we can easily forget how bizarre and shocking that sounds. But Jesus has said this repeatedly now, and so he almost puts an ultimatum to his listeners, similar to the one we heard in the first reading. Joshua says, you must choose who will you will serve. Either you will serve the Lord or you'll serve the pagan gods. As for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. He sort of lays that choice out for them. He said, yeah, this is difficult to understand. You might find it shocking, but it's true. So what are you going to do? And as a result, many disciples left him. He said, this man is crazy. So he turns to the 12 and he says, are you also going to leave? This must be an awfully important point for him to be so direct in the choices he gives to his followers. And Peter responds on behalf of the 12. And I like Peter a lot. Peter and I have a lot in common. We're a little impetuous. We're very passionate. Uh, we don't always get it right the first time. We have to be corrected, change course a little bit. Peter, I can hear the exasperation in his voice when he says, Master, to whom shall we go? Where would we leave? We have come to believe and are convinced that you're the Holy One of God. We believe that you have the words of eternal life. And so, yeah, we're shocked by this. We don't really understand what you're talking about, but to be honest with you, Lord, this isn't the first time we haven't understood what you were talking about. But we believe that what you say is true. And so far, even when we haven't understood, you've led us to a place of understanding later. And so, yeah, now, without the benefit of the Last Supper, that's to come, without the benefit of 2,000 years of having celebrated the Holy Mass, like you and I have, with nothing to go on but Jesus' word, Peter says, where else are we going to go? If you say it, it must be true. For you are the truth. So we're with you, Lord. 
The reason why Jesus is so direct about this option to be with him or to leave him is because the Eucharist is him. It would be ridiculous and blasphemous for us to kneel down in front of a cabinet of bread. It would be blasphemous for us to worship a cup of wine. But Jesus has said, this is my body, this is my blood. And the word of Jesus has the power to change everything. This is the same God who said, let there be light, and there was light. Who said, let the waters teem with fishes, and there were fishes. This is the same God who said, rise, take up your mat and walk. And the paralyzed man could walk. Who said, have sight, your faith has saved you. And the blind can see. Who says to a dead man, Lazarus, come out. And a man dead three days is alive again. So in this, Jesus, this all-powerful God, says this is my body and this is my blood, we know that he and his words have the power to change reality. And so to reject the Eucharist is to reject Jesus himself. Or better put, to accept the Eucharist is to accept Jesus. For it is him that we are united to in Holy Communion. There's too much good to preach on in these readings this weekend. But how providential that we also have uh, the reading from St. Paul to the Ephesians today, which many focus on rightly so for its shocking teachings about marriage as well, shocking perhaps for the Ephesians differently than it would be shocking for you and I. But at the very end, if you hadn't gotten distracted by what came before, Paul says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and the two become one flesh. And he says, I'm speaking about Christ and his church. For in holy communion, when we receive the very flesh of Jesus into our flesh, the two become one. To be a Christian is not just about doing the right stuff or checking the right boxes, but about being united to Jesus. It is indeed about having a personal relationship with him, but there is nothing more personal than the two becoming one flesh. And so Jesus puts forward this teaching. And like Joshua says, 
You must choose. Do you believe what I'm telling you or not? Will you stay with me, Peter, or will you also go? Because Jesus is not content to remain at arm's length. He's not content with a prayer from time to time to keep in touch. But he wants to be intimately united with each one of us. And in this way, unite us with one another. Perhaps we don't always understand what Jesus is doing. We don't understand why God allows the things he allows and doesn't do some things we ask him for. We don't always understand how God's plan can be active and alive even amidst darkness and confusion and violence and war, amidst sickness and division. Sometimes we feel as if God is indeed far away. We get caught up in the anxieties of this world. They don't even have to be bad or evil things, but we become consumed with our daily work, our tasks, our duties. And if not rejecting the Lord, we simply forget about him. There's no time. And so in our opening prayer today, we ask that the Lord would guide us through this life of many anxieties and tribulations And here's the key part to that prayer, that he would enable us to cling, to hold on to that which is eternal. And Jesus Christ in the Eucharist is our anchor. In the midst of the craziness of this world, whether we are happy or sad, encouraged or discouraged, whether we're stressed or at peace, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's here with us always. To be close to us in prayer in the tabernacle and to be united with us in one flesh in Holy Communion at Mass. He is our constant. He is our strength. And by coming to him, really present in the Holy Eucharist, the anxieties of this world get put on pause, even for just a little while. We can refocus our minds and our hearts on the one who gives life, who gives eternal life. Jesus knew as he sent his disciples into the world, that being one of his followers would not be easy. That no matter where in the world or when in history we would live, it would be difficult to bear the name Christian 
and live our Christian faith authentically. And so he made a promise to his disciples. I will be with you until the end of the ages. And every Sunday, when we kneel before this altar, in the middle of the day or the middle of the night, when we place ourselves in front of the tabernacle, he keeps that promise to be our anchor, our strength, our constant. For he is truly with us, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in the gift of the Eucharist. Often, we take that gift for granted. And so every now and then, he likes to remind us that the God of the universe, the only begotten Son of the Father, the miracle worker, the truth teller, the God who changes and transforms, is really present among us here. He asks us, does this shock you? And then says, if I can paraphrase, you haven't seen anything yet. Let us come to the Lord with faith in his words. Let us unite ourselves with him today in the one flesh union of the Holy Eucharist so that amid the trials and tribulations of this world, we might be anchored in the one thing that truly gives life, life in abundance, eternal life. Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, the bread of life among us.